we're excited about being able to go to Mississippi. And if you were to go with me, we're going to have a get-together on the 22nd on Saturday. And there's going to be probably about 60 to 80 people there at my grandmother's house. And it's really a small house. And so let me just kind of walk you into this. As soon as you drive up, you have to like search for a place to park because there's nowhere to park. And you just end up parking out in the grass or a field somewhere. And, and there's people everywhere because it, it, there's no way that everybody can get inside. So there's people. I don't even know who they all are. Some of them, I don't think they're family members. They're just there to eat. I think they just walked through the woods, showed up, and they're eating. They go back uh, because it's out in the country. And, and so you walk up and you start saying, hey, to everybody. And then you, you, I know I'm not the only one, but sometimes you can't remember all of your family members' names. It, it, Maybe it's just us because our, our family's so dysfunctional and so messed up. You've got, you know, cousins who are steps and all this and you don't even know who they are. You just say, hey, and smile and hug them. And, and then you walk through the door. And you, you, For us, you, as soon as you walk into the carport, there's like tables all over the place and people are talking and hanging out. Kids are running all over. And then you walk into the front door and it's a really small house, but, but somehow they pack like 50 or 60 people in this little bitty house so as soon as you walk through the door you look to the left and there's couches and there's you know the couches are for made for like four people and there's six or eight people sitting on the couch and and they're just hanging out and in the corner there's a there's a big Christmas tree and it's been decorated and with 60 to 80 people there's tons of presents so the, the there's presents just everywhere around the tree and the, I mean the house is just chaotic you look straight on into the kitchen and there's probably another 30 people between between just here in the kitchen and it's just maybe 25 feet and then the best part is when you look to the right as soon as you walk through the door there are the freezers that they keep all the food in but but at Christmas time all the pies are on the freezers and so it's you just want to gravitate to the pies especially the chocolate pies anybody like chocolate pies Man, they are like delicious. I tried to like cram a couple into my, you know, my presents, pretend like they're a gift and just take them home with me because they are so good. And, and I don't know about you, but that's sort of what the Christmas season uh, becomes for the most part is you have get togethers. Everybody puts on a nice outfit. And in my family, that means they wear shoes to the to the occasion uh it, that's that's like a nice outfit and so and so it's, it's really neat to see everybody dressing up and 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 smiling and even family members who don't like each other they they sort of hug you know I mean it's kind of weird but but it's neat to see and Christmas is that time of the year isn't it Christmas is a season where you get together and, and everything's supposed to be pretty. The tree is supposed to look right. The presents have to be wrapped just right. And, and there's a big spread on the table. And I began to think as I was reading through the scripture and thinking about what Christmas is really all about. Is that really a picture of Christmas? You know, I mean, is it really a picture of, the, of Christmas when you read the Christmas story? In case you haven't done that, you might want to do it before Christmas actually gets here. But in case you haven't read the Christmas story, I found that as I start reading the Christmas story, it's really not what we celebrate. And I don't mean, you know, the Christmas trees and we're taking Jesus out. I don't mean all of that. I mean from the standpoint that we look at Christmas in our culture and everything's nice and clean and pretty and put together. But when you read the Christmas story, it's not clean. It's not put together. It's messy. And it's really, when you read it and you understand what it's really saying, you scratch your head and you think, why did God do this? Why did God send his son to be born into a family like this? It doesn't make, any, doesn't make any sense. But when you read this Christmas story, I find that it's quite a mess. And I've also found that our lives are messy, aren't they? Our families. I mean, how many of you have the perfect family and you have nothing wrong in your family? Anybody? 
Oh, Miss Betty Jo, thank you, thank you. One person, okay. Terry didn't raise his hand, so I'm not sure. Terry, you didn't, nope, nope. So he canceled your vote out, I'm sorry. But, but the reality is, is all of our families are a mess to some degree, aren't they? I mean, we, we, we sort of have messed up families in the culture we live in. And, and, and you and I, we're probably, we're probably like Charles to some degree. He, he came to church. Charles had been going to church every year on Christmas Eve. And he would walk through the doors and he would hear the story of Christmas. And he would hear about Jesus being born in the manger. And he would get up and leave. And that would be the essence of the message that he heard. And he was sort of tired of it. But he was going to go to church anyway. So he walked through the doors. He saw the preacher standing there. And he said, preacher, are you going to tell that same story about Jesus being born in a manger? And then I'm going to get up and leave. And that's going to be it. Because if you're going to tell that story, true story. He said, if you're going to tell that story, I'm not feeling it. I want to know, I want to know, how is this story going to impact my life? How is this story going to impact my family? Because the Christmas story that oftentimes we hear is a clean version of what the Word of God really describes as the Christmas story. And then we walk away thinking, how does Jesus' birth, how does his life impact my daily life? And if his life doesn't impact my life, then really we're here just for a get-together because Jesus didn't come for us to have a get-together. He came to this earth so that he could bring redemption to our messed up lives. And so we read this story of Christmas and we think about our own lives and I'm convinced that Christmas is not simply a cute story about a little boy who was born in a manger. I'm convinced the more I read the Word of God that it's a story of a messed up family to some degree A God who chose for his son to be born into a messy, messy situation for a purpose. And that purpose is, and the the angle that we're going to take this morning as we work through the word of God is that Jesus was born into a messed up situation, a mess to some degree, so that he could redeem us from the mess. And so I don't want you to leave this morning thinking, I've heard a story about a baby being born in a manger, and I don't know how it affects my life. I want you to leave today understanding, Jesus was born into a mess because he wants to redeem the mess of my life. And that's what Christmas is all about. That's this morning as we begin to break down this story, and we begin to think about the mess that Jesus was born into. Have you ever thought about Mary? Her situation? Just a teenager. How many teenagers do we have in here this morning? Come on, teenagers. A few teenagers. She was just a, a young girl. And God speaks to her and tells her that she is going to have a child. She is going to give birth to the Son of God. And they're going to name him Jesus. So as you can imagine, she's probably wondering, did I, did I just hear things? Or was that like a bad dream? Or did God really speak to me and tell me, I, I'm going to have a child? And And here's the problem is she's not married yet. She's engaged. Joseph is going to be her husband. And in that time when you you proposed to someone and you were engaged, it was as if you were married without the privileges, if you understand what I'm saying. They, They were engaged and it was as if they were married, but they weren't experiencing the things that married couples experience. And so here she is. A virgin who, who is ready to be married, she's dreaming about that day, as all teenage girls do. They dream of the day when they're going to meet their husband and, and walk down that aisle and celebrate marriage together. And God messes it all up. God messes it up by saying, hey, you're going to give birth to a child. And by the way, I know you had not slept with anybody, but it's going to happen. It's miraculous. It's the Holy Spirit. And so here's Mary. She's a teenage girl. And now think about her dilemma. She's got to go tell her family. Can you imagine? Mom and dad, can we just sit down? I just need to have a conversation with you. 
I need to tell you that I'm pregnant. And, and I don't really know how it happened. I think God did it. It's just a miracle. I mean, can you imagine, really? I mean, can you imagine her parents like, what, Mary? What, what are you talking about? We've had this conversation. It doesn't just happen. I mean, seriously, what happened to you? No, no, no. God came to me. God told me that I'm going to give birth to a, to a son. His name is going to be Jesus, blah, 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 blah. And can you just imagine the difficulty of that conversation? I mean, what, God, what was God thinking? Couldn't he set up a better example? Couldn't he put, him, put Jesus into a family that was supposed to be the right type of family? You know, they're already married and everything's taken care of. And they, they've got their finances in order and they have a place to stay. Why, we, why didn't God do that? Sounds like a messed up story to me. And then, can you imagine after she spoke to her family? You know they didn't all believe her, right? All your family members don't believe you when you tell them something. You, so you can imagine Aunt Sally and Uncle Joe, they're talking about it. Did you hear? Did you hear about Mary? She said she's pregnant. She doesn't know who made her. Can you imagine what's wrong with that girl? I told Joseph, I told Mary that they were making a mistake. Something's wrong. They shouldn't get married. I mean, there's probably so much gossip going on, and then she has to talk to Joseph about it. Another hard conversation. Joseph, I'm pregnant, but, you know, you know and I know. I don't, I don't know how it happened. And so Joseph's really trying to figure this out. Because Joseph knows how these things happen. And he knows he's not the one. And so Joseph, he's taken back by it. He decides, you know, I'm not going to marry this lady. Hey, this is crazy. I'm not going to do it. This doesn't make any sense. And so I'm going to back out. He makes the decision he's going to back out of the marriage, which in that time was like divorce. It was literally like a divorce, except he was going to do it quietly. He was going to be the nice guy. He was going to do it quietly, and he was going to back out of the marriage and let Mary go on her way. And so he has that conversation with her. You can imagine the heartbreak. Here she is again, dreaming of her wonderful life, and God has told her that she's going to give birth to a son, going to be the son of God, and now she's, she's messed up. Joseph backs out on her completely. Then God has a little message for Joseph in the midst of a dream, and he realizes that God has ordained this, that God has chosen Mary to be the mother of Jesus, that she's going to give birth to the, the Son of God. And, and even though it doesn't make sense in his mind and he can't quite grasp it, he decides that he's going to go back to her. So he goes back to her, and he tells her, Mary, I... I I made a mistake. I, I'm really going to marry you. I'm going to be with you, and, 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 and we're going to be together. So, so I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Now, I don't know if you, you thought about this, but this is a pretty weird story, isn't it? Come on. Right, church? I mean, if you've grown up in church, you probably just accepted it as a reality. But if you went out and you just talked to someone who had no idea about who Jesus is, and you told them this story, they would be scratching their heads saying, you are crazy. You actually believe this stuff? <laughs> You, you actually believe this happened? So here's Mary's pregnancy. And it poses a problem. It poses a problem because according to scholars, Mary's commitment of marriage was more binding than any engagement and could only be severed by a divorce. However, according to the Jewish custom, if the woman became pregnant and not by the man that she was supposed to marry, she was viewed as an adulteress and according to Jewish law, she could have been stoned. So Jesus was 
born by of a woman in a situation where she could have literally been stoned for what happened to her. I mean, what was God thinking? Why did he allow this to happen? What a mess. So, so here they are. Here they are, nine months pregnant. Caesar decides that there's going to be a census taken. So Joseph has to travel to Bethlehem because that's where he's from. He has to travel to Bethlehem with his nine-month-along pregnant wife. Now, just in case you, you forgot, they didn't have cars back then. They had donkeys. How many of you rode here to church on a donkey this morning? Anybody? No, because nobody wants to ride on a donkey when you can ride in a car. But that's all they had was a donkey. We're talking about 80 miles to Bethlehem. So Joseph loads, I hate to say that, but he, he got his wife on the horse, on the donkey somehow, nine months pregnant. And they ride 80 miles, which is equivalent of basically about a week, a week of, of, of travel for a lady. Now, I remember when, when Shantina was nine months pregnant. I can tell you she was very uncomfortable. I mean, she couldn't even lay down in the bed and I and, and listen, I, I'm, I understand. Listen, I don't want to be a woman. Praise God for women because I, I, you gave birth, you give birth to children, and I can't do that. So I, I, I support you fully. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I don't know how. I don't know how Mary did it. I don't know how she did it. Really, eighty miles on a donkey. And so then they arrive here in Bethlehem, and, and of course the town is packed. The town is overflowing with people because they're all coming to, the, to their, to their uh, place where they have to, to perform the census and, and give account of who they are and how old they are and everything else that goes in the census. And, and so here they are. They're trying to find a place to stay. They walk up and down the streets looking for a place. They can't find anywhere to stay. And, and Mary's probably growing frustrated by the minute riding on this donkey. She's ridden 80 miles, and Joseph, poor Joseph, he's just walking along thinking, oh, man, what are we doing? I, I don't know what I was thinking. I mean, this is crazy. And finally, they make it to this innkeeper, and they knock on his door, and they think, maybe he's got a room. And so he pleads this story to her. He tells her all about, he tells him all about how the situation, they've ridden there, and, and they can't figure it out. And, and the innkeeper says, basically, I don't have any room in the inn, but... I do have a manger. That's all I have. I mean, if you're really desperate, I mean, if you just absolutely have nowhere else to stay, you can stay in the, the manger, but I can't promise anything. I mean, don't call me when the lights don't work, okay? It's that kind of situation. And so, so can you imagine bringing your wife into an animal stall to give birth? Can you imagine taking your wife and, and, and having a newborn baby. I, I remember when Camden was born in Sailor Grace, and you just, you just look at that newborn baby, and you think, they need to be cleaned up. I mean, they, this is a mess, and somebody clean them up, and then they clean them up, and they wrap them, you know, they wrap them up because they have to keep their temperature really high, and then they put them under the light to make sure everything's good, and, and, and the temperature is, is right where it needs to be. And you imagine Mary gives birth to, to Jesus, and then they... They wrap him up and put him in a manger. I mean, we're talking about a feeding trough. We're talking about flies. We're talking about a place where animals live. Not in a clean hospital. Can you imagine that, Jen? You're going to give birth in a few months. Can you imagine that? Ladies, this is a mess, isn't it? I mean, what was God thinking? I mean, did God miss it? 
Did he wake up on the wrong side of the bed and think, oh, man, I, I, don't, I can't believe I missed that. Why did I put Jesus in this situation? He's the son of God. He is royalty. But here's the beauty of the story is that Jesus was intentionally placed in a mess for the very purpose of redeeming you and I who are a mess. And so as we begin to celebrate the life of Jesus, as we begin to read this story, we begin to think more on it the next few weeks. It's not just about a baby who was born in a manger and, ooh, look how cute. No, it was a mess. And Jesus was born into the mess to redeem us from the mess. And I don't know about you, but that's good news for me because I'm a mess. And I need Jesus to con con continuously redeem me and to change me from day to day by his power and his grace. And so there's hope for me and there's hope for you today. You may be in a situation where you think, I don't know what I'm going to do. My life's not working out the way I want it. My relationships seem to be falling apart. And I want to say to you today that God was born, Jesus was born into the mess to redeem you of the mess that's going on around you and the mess within you this is good news isn't it church this is good news you even if you don't amen you can amen right there and the more you dig into this story the messier it gets but also the more you dig into the story the more you realize that there's more to it than what you see with the naked eye during lambing season the sheep were brought in in from the fields and they would obviously that they would produce other sheep that's kind of how that works and so the newborn sheep the lamb when they were brought in the shepherds would take these newborn lambs and they would take and they would actually wrap them in swaddling clothes some type of a, a garment type deal they would wrap them in these garments these newborn lambs and they would they would do this for the purpose of keeping them warm they would do this because they were trying to preserve these lambs to be sacrificed for the sins of the people. And so they would take these lambs and they would wrap them in this, this linen and then they would place them in the manger to keep them free from defects, from birth, any type of defects that might possibly happen right after they were born. And so here are these baby lambs laying in this manger. It just so happens to be the same place that they placed Jesus when he was born. So when the shepherds arrived that day, when they walked up that day and they saw Jesus... The Son of God, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. It was not by accident. And, and when they saw this little baby boy laying in the manger, the first thing I'm sure that ran through their minds is this is, this is, this is where the lambs go. Uh, this is not where a son goes. This is not where the Son of God is to lay in the manger. This, this is where the lambs who are going to be sacrificed for the sins of the people go. And you have to understand that, that the, these people, the shepherds in that day dear, near Bethlehem, were actually the ones who, who would take the lambs and they would sacrifice them in the Jewish temple. And so they actually were the ones who were in charge of preserving the best of the best as far as the lamb would go in hopes that it would be a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And here is Jesus Laying in this manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, just like a lamb. And so, now let's fast forward. Jesus is born. He's a grown man. He's with his disciples. He's trying to teach them, encourage them, help them to understand what this 
new life is all about, this new covenant that he's setting up. And, and they're walking with him, and he is traveling through, preaching and sharing the good news and, and healing people, everything that he did. And he walks up to John the Baptist. And as he is walking up to John the Baptist, just, just begin to put the dots together here. As he's walking up to John the Baptist, John the Baptist says this in John chapter 1, verse 29. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said this. He said, look, the... did John the Baptist know that Jesus was the Lamb of God? He said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in the manger. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And John the Baptist, as soon as he saw Jesus, he recognized him, not as a cute little baby born in a manger, but he recognized him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's powerful, isn't it? And listen today, folks, we we don't just celebrate a baby who's born. We celebrate the God who was born into a mess to redeem us from the mess. Who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God. And we celebrate Him. And I believe, folks, today, as we approach this season, we celebrate redemption. We should celebrate the Lamb of God who was born in the manger. Who was born in a messy situation to redeem us from the mess. To repair the relationships. To repair the problems that we're all facing in our life. To help us in our time of need. When Jesus was a tiny baby laying in the manger, he was the Lamb of God. When, 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 when he walked with John the Baptist and John the Baptist saw him, he was the Lamb of God. When Jesus went to the cross and he gave himself as a sacrifice for you and for me, he was the Lamb of God. And the good news is that he is still the Lamb of God who takes away all the sins of the world. He is the one who redeems us. He is Jesus, the Lamb of God. And so maybe today in your life, you need to quit talking about Jesus, the the little baby who was born, and you need to begin to speak to him as the Lamb of God who redeems you, who helps you in your time of need, the God who will change your life, not just forgive you, but he will actually redeem what's going on within you. You see, this is the good news, that Jesus was born into the mess to redeem us from the mess. And when I look around my life, My family, I'm going to tell you, when I go into that house in a few weeks, there's a lot of messed up situations. A lot of people who need Jesus. Family members of mine who, I don't know if they're going to make it to heaven. Uh, I don't even know if they can spell Jesus, much less uttered his name. They they don't even know about the forgiveness and the life transformation that Jesus wants to to bring to them. But this is what I want to do as I approach this time, as I begin to hang out with my family and to share life with them and to talk about what's going on. I want to be the person who can point them to a place where they can find redemption and understand that it is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That they can have a new life in Jesus Christ because He is the one who redeems us. He is the one who redeems us. And so I don't know what your situation is this morning. I don't know what's going on in your family. I don't know what's going on in the next few weeks. But I can tell you that there will be opportunities for you to see what's going on around you and to be reminded that your God, the one that you serve, is the God of redemption. He is the God of hope, isn't he? 
And so we approach this season and we celebrate what Jesus has done. We celebrate who he is, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. There's a passage that speaks to this redemption. It's found in Titus chapter 2. It's, it's just a beautiful passage. I want us to read it together. He said this. He, for, he said, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's talking about the hope we have, isn't he? He's talking about the salvation that we have, not just something that we claim, but something that we live out. When we say no to the ungodliness and the worldly passions, the the self-control, we live upright and godly in this present age. While we wait on the blessed hope, we were waiting on that day when he's coming back. And then it says this, who gave himself, he's talking about Jesus, who gave himself for us to what? Come on, church. He gave himself for us to what? Redeem us. To redeem us from all wickedness. And to purify for himself a people that are very, his very own eager to do what is good. This is good stuff, isn't it? He gave himself for us to redeem us from all unwickedness. The baby boy laying in the manger. Born. In a place where the lamb would lay, where they would sacrifice him over and over and over and over. Because never, never, the lamb was never enough to redeem all of mankind. And so every time someone wanted to be forgiven, they would always have to have a a lamb. They would have to have a pigeon. They would have to have something that was perfect. Something that didn't have any defects. And they would sacrifice that animal for the forgiveness of sin. But Jesus came for once and for all to redeem all all of mankind from all wickedness and it only takes one sacrifice and so he was placed in the manger he was placed in the mess to redeem us from the mess and I think church we should celebrate that today don't you think we should celebrate Jesus our Redeemer we should celebrate him it's Christmas time folks we should celebrate the one who takes away the sins of our of us and our mess and the situations around us and you as you approach this season as you begin to think about what Jesus is and who he is and what this season's all about understand that it is about redemption it is about the son of God who was born into a mess to redeem you of the mess that you are in and so today as we begin to think about that and as we pray and we close out this service, I want you to think right now about your life. I want you to think about what's going on in your life right now. And I want you to think about the mess that's going on around you. I want you to think about things that maybe are out of your control. Maybe you can't change it. Maybe you've tried or maybe you haven't tried because you don't want to face it, but it's, it's the circumstances around you. I've got good news for you. This is the season of redemption. This is the season when we celebrate our Redeemer who changes us and changes what's going on around us. Now, now I want you to think also about the mess. Now, it's not around you, but, and this is, this is a little bit harder because it's easier to look at other people and to see the mess that's within them. But, but just in this moment, can you just think about 
what's going on within you. And maybe there's some struggles. Maybe there's some things going on. and Maybe some of them you've confessed. Maybe some of them you've never confessed. But there's a real struggle. There's a mess going on. And, and, and you know that God knows it, but you don't know what to do about it. Maybe you've mentioned it to him, but you've never really, you've never really repented of it. You've never really come to God and said, God, please forgive me of what's going on within me, this struggle that I'm going through. I don't want to do this, but for some reason I find myself doing this over and over, and I need you to redeem me. I need you to redeem what's going on within me, God. I need you to change my heart within. I can't just pray for what's going on around me. I can't change what other people are doing. But I know that you can change me from within because you are the one who was born into the mess to redeem me of this mess. And so this week, as this, we approach this season, you can think about what's going on around you, and you're going to see a lot of different people, and you're going to be approached by different people, and you're going to be reminded that our God is a God of redemption, so don't give up on them. Don't stop praying for them. Don't stop witnessing to them. Don't stop sharing the, the miracle of Christmas. But I also don't want you just to focus on what's going on around you. I want you to remember that he is the one who redeems us from within. And maybe there's a relationship that needs to re- be redeemed in the next few weeks. Maybe you need God to begin to redeem a discipline in your life that has fallen off. Maybe you need God to redeem your workplace. Maybe you need God to begin to redeem your family because things used to be one way and now you find yourself just drifting in the wrong direction. And you need Jesus, the one who was born into the mess, to fix your mess. And the good news is that he longs to redeem us, doesn't he? Go back to that scripture. Let's just read that last one again. We wait for his glorious appearing of our great God, Jesus, who gave himself for us. He has given himself for you to redeem you. From all of your wickedness and to purify you for himself so I want to pray for you as we close today and I want us to pray together that this time of the year that we would understand that it's more than a baby being born in a manger he is the Lamb of God and he will redeem us so I want you to close your eyes right where you're at we're just gonna close in a word of prayer